Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? We're live again. We are live again. This is our second ever live show. Um, for people that don't know us, uh, we are the Ale of a Time podcast. Ooh, blue and, blue uh, and we've got an awesome guest here, uh, all the way from the UK, Melissa Cole. Melissa, how's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, first time I think anyone's ever messaged us before a podcast and was excited for the guest in the sense of they wanted to meet her and get their book signed. Uh, I don't actually think that person's here tonight, so... You brought your Sharpie for nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was supposed to bring a Sharpie. <laughs> Shit. Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're here? Um, so... What yeah, a broad I'm, question. Yeah, it's a broad <laughs> question. But who are you? Why are you here? Yeah, why are you in my living room? I don't know. I wandered into the wrong place drunk. Um, so... Uh, I'm Melissa Cole, I'm a beer writer from the UK, um, so I've been in the industry nearly a terrifying 20 years, um, and uh, so I judge internationally, so I was here judging the AIBA, so the Australian International Beer Awards, for those of you who don't understand the shorthand, which we're dickheads for doing in the in the business, um, and uh, and then I'm, I'm here for Good Beer Week, so I'll be doing a uh, couple of... Uh, cooking with beer and pairing with beer demos at Gabs as well at the weekend, which I'm really excited for. Cool. Although I have no idea how I'm prepping things. <laughs> this could be entertaining. I don't know what's happening. Come along. It should be funny. <laughs> Gabs is a lot of fun. So. Which sessions are they, by the way? Um, so it's Saturday and Sunday uh, about, uh, I think it's one till two. Um, so you're here, I guess, as part of the London beer... The good beer mates. Yeah, yeah the, the good beer mates. Yeah, the good beer mates thing, yeah. Yep. Should have written these things down before we started. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've chosen four beers to go and tap up here as well. Uh-huh. Do you know what they are? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when we say I chose, I was um, so, I think there's I four beers. Yeah, I did cool. get the photo of the list. And uh, so there's, there's by my signatures, yeah. uh, I think the signatures IPA, there's Affinity, Saison, there's Anspach and Hop Days Porter and Wildcards, any IPA. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that's yes, it is. 100%. Yeah. After, seven, after 17 Yay. beers at La Serene today, I think I'm doing really well with that, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm really keen to know, because we don't know, like these, these are beers that we don't get much of, if any of, here. Yeah. I think for Pure we get some. Yeah. Um, but other than that... Uh, Who have just taken two awards at uh, World Beer Cup, which is... Wow, cool. Impress- and also in Lager category as well, so that yeah, right. is hella difficult. How big are they? They're not that big. They're really not that big. They've got a, a, a twenty heck brew house, um, and they, they do have a lot of vessels, but but they're not a big. In the grand scheme of things, they are not a big brewery, but they are um, some of the nicest people in the London beer industry. They really are. They've got this awesome events team, and they're a small, tight community, and they really take care of each other. But they're also just absolutely on board. So I do an event called Meetopia every year which is basically a festival of cooking meat over flame it's basically every Aussie's dream really um, and uh, so every time I send the email out it's like would you like to come back it's like yeah four, four pure fam will be there and it's like yes fam it's like <laughs> so it's been this you know they're, they're much younger than I am and clearly I, I had to look up what fam meant because I'm so not down with the kids but um, it's uh, it's uh, they're really they're really really lovely and they have a really good ethos around what they do and they have an amazing head brewer in John although poor John um, I assume is still crying into his pillow so uh, during World Beer Cup uh, John who is actually American lost his passport on the flight from New York to Nashville so he somehow managed to leave it in the plane or something I'm not quite sure what happened 
Um, so instead of being at the awards ceremony, he was on the phone oh. to try to get a new passport. I really felt for him because he's such a lovely guy, but he is a massive ditz as well. Yeah. So, you know, he was like, no big surprise, but I'll oh, bless him. It must have been absolutely heartbreaking. Everybody going, Wee! you've taken a, taken a medal. And John's sitting there just going, yeah, hi, I need a new passport. Yeah, that's not a good way to celebrate a win. Not really, no. Um, tell me about London and, I guess... What's happening in the beer world there? What are the, some of the key differences that you're noticing uh, between the two countries? And you've been in Nashville. Is there anything that stands out? Um, to be honest, the, the current thing in London is I'm pretty sure some buggers probably opened a, opened a brewery before. I've, uh, sorry, since I've been away. Yeah, it's sure. just insane. We've got over 100 breweries in London at the moment, um, which is incredible. And it's brilliant. And we've got more than enough population to sustain it. Um, are you worried that it could change? No, not really. Um, it's really not a problem. So, well, I mean, it, it, the idea of it's one of those things where it's really difficult to explain to people how populated London is. And the easiest way to do it down this end of the world is to actually say, so New Zealand has the same geography as the UK, so it's pretty much square miles, it's the same size as the UK. It has less of a population than London. Mm. So, you know, London is insanely packed in. So, we have enough people to sustain the growth. Um, Quality is always going to be a huge issue, and that's going to be an issue across the world. Mm. Um, communication and not fibbing, we'll call it politely, to the customer. What do you mean not fibbing? Um, there's a lot of a lot of breweries that are producing sort of hype types and who are just continually turning out different beers every week, and actually a lot of them should just be drain poured. Mm. Um, so if you ever come across a brewery, by the way, guys, who says that we never pour away beer, don't drink their beer. <laughs> um, I just want to make a note. If people see Dave checking his phone, he's got a new puppy today, uh, and he hasn't met it yet, so he's been, <laughs> I think, slightly distracted and I, I, slightly distracted. I, I, I basically like this when I saw the picture. I was like... <gasps> <laughs> okay, back. So oh, our, our, our mics were already hot, so I didn't want to deafen everybody. We were just going. <laughs> <laughs> I went to check the beer list that we've got here tonight because I took a photo, so I'd remember, and I saw a picture of the puppy, and I didn't even look at the beer list. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you want to see see Dave's puppy afterwards, um, he's probably not going to stick around. I'm beelining straight home. Yeah, don't yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't take that personally in any way, shape, or form. Hours, hours. I flew to get. <laughs> Another thing, I, I don't know if we're going to release this as a recording. Uh, so, Melissa, you can just say whatever you want, and uh, it's never going to be like, 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 like any different yeah. day. I'm, 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 I'm corporately unemployable for a reason. Okay, good. good. Um, I don't know if we're going to, yeah, if we put it out, we might not put it out. We'll see how we go. Uh, I'm taking inspiration from Beyonce, mm-hmm. who uh, hasn't put out her Coachella thing. And I thought, does anyone I want to look up to as a beer podcaster? Beyonce is right up there, so. If it's not, if it's good enough for Beyonce, I figure it's good enough for us. Okay, this is this is an interesting turn to the yeah, evening. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, if, if you start doing all this kind of stuff, oh, I, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be great. We've got two hundred and forty <laughs> backup dancers. Luke, Luke takes dumb notes. Like none of the notes he's taken are anything to do with beer content about talking. But he couldn't wait to have the uh, Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other things I've noted down are um, oh the red velvet. I want to talk about that. We've rolled out the red velvet here for uh, for Melissa, and I'm excited. This is probably the best backdrop we've ever ever recorded to. True. Um, so wow, you really need to up your game. These are. <laughs> 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 to be what fair, sort of backdrops do you yeah. get? <laughs> what 
To be honest, mostly it's cheese. Yeah, Everywhere right, okay. I go, people yeah. bring out cheese. You know, more more cheese is a backdrop. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> um, and these, that's the entirety of the notes that I've, I've <laughs> made. Yeah. For, for the, red, uh, red Velvet and Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. I can't help feel this is more of a fetish cast than it is a beer <laughs> podcast, but, you know. That's my other podcast. Hey, listeners might agree with you there, actually. <laughs> um, so you've been at La Sirena all day. Hmm? You've been at La Sirena all day drinking La Sirena beers. Yes. How was that? It's not been rubbish, I'll be no, honest yeah. with you. No, it's actually, it's been phenomenal. Um, so I first came across uh, La Sirena when uh, somebody gave me a bottle of the praline. And, oh yeah. <laughs> and today I had that with truffle cheddar. Holy crap, that is amazing. Um, so, but there were, as I say, I, was, I think it's, it's, for me, it's one of the things that I think that... Um, as beer evolves and as beer styles, funnily enough, go backwards to come forwards, um, it's one of the things that we're going to be increasingly able to talk about is terroir. Mm. Because with wine, you have a real sense of place and the wine industry has been very clever um, and passionate about its sense of home and place and DNA. And for me, that's very much where you can go with these sorts of beers. So these beers where you're using literally the wild yeast in the air they've chosen a shitty tin, tin shed that has holes and wind and and just blowing all the, all the, all the natural yeasts and bacteria through um, is really really amazing um, and it's it gives beer a sense of place and a sense of home and a sense of DNA and I was actually talking to Costarists at the first five beers that I tried most of which were all the Saison styles they had a definitive DNA to them which we both agreed is probably the wild Saccharomyces. So sorry, that's a bit nerdy. So the wild, the wild yeast. So Saccharomyces is the standard. These people have come to a beer podcast. I can't actually see people enough because I've got the spotlight in my face. I don't know whether you're nodding or just going, what the fuck? Um, okay, good. I, I can see you guys. Everybody else is just, is, is just so I've, I've, if I do that, I can, I can see people. I can either see people just going yes or mm. um, so um, Saccharomyces, for those of you in the room who don't know, is, is kind of like the universal fermenter. Um, so it's what will, will ferment your bread, it's what your bread yeast is, it's what your wine yeast is, it's what anything that ferments is. Um, and then you have various other different ones. So you have Brettanomyces, which was initially identified in British keeping porters. Uh, so which is why it's called Brettanomyces, which is Breton fungus, or British fungus. Um, which is significantly less sexy than Bristol Myers, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Like, mm, Did you fungus. know it translates to British fungus? Yes, I know. I must start. It's one of those ones where it falls out of your mouth and you're just going, shh, back in, back in. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, 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 no filter. Yeah, no, no filter between here and here as a general rule. So, um, and then you have various different bacteria which will which also do things. Mostly, you're looking at um, particularly when you're looking at kettle sours and Berlinerweisses and Gosers. Uh, you're looking at Lactobacillus, which is the same stuff that makes yogurt, which is why it's sour. So, um, these guys have got a bunch of this stuff coming in, they've, and they've got all sorts of different microbes coming in as well, which actually adds to the complexity. Um, so, it's a really interesting, exciting thing. So, people talk about, for example, uh, Cantillon and Bone and a beer cell in Brussels, and they're really phenomenal, but they don't have the monopoly on wild fermentation, and I love to see other areas of the world doing it. You can't call it lambic, which is totally fine. They've got a designated area on it, but clinically you can. 
But you that's can a call whole it, thing, but that's a whole different, you, you can, a different show. You, you can call it Lambic style. No, you can still call it Lambic. Oh, uh, well, I, out here, as yeah, opposed no, to outside it's the European a, Union. It's a different... Anyway, this is a yeah. beyond the point. We could, we could do um, <laughs> Costa is a grand experimenter, though. I remember when we were there, he was talking about... He had his cool ship in a particular location. He said, I'll try it here for a winter and a summer, and then maybe I'll move yeah. it across to a different part of the um, warehouse, see if it picks up anything else different. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a madman. So a cool ship is effectively a big shallow swimming pool um, which they just pour the, the sugary liquid into and then they let all the natural yeast and, and bacteria settle on it and do a spontaneous fermentation so basically has anybody ever made sourdough? yeah or tried I keep on killing keep, I, I keep on killing well more to the point I travel so much that I think my husband is deliberately killing it because he doesn't want to look after it um, but uh, yeah so if you've ever or you, you understand the process of sourdough is basically it's just leave it open to ferment then that's actually what that's basically exactly the same process. Is there anyone in the UK doing a similar thing with the cool ships and the? There are. There are a number of breweries doing it. Um, so my two favourites are Elgood's in Cambridge, which was a real surprise to me because they are super trad, right? Super traditional, right? Um, so they've got a multi-award-winning dark mild. That is how a traditional brewery they are. Um, and then the uh, the dad handed on the reins of the brewery to his three daughters, um, and then they found that they did have a cool ship in a in a knackered old area of the brewery, um, and they started researching it. It's like, what the hell is this big thing? And then they actually decided to look into what they could do with it, and then they found out the traditional brewing styles, and they really challenged their very traditional brewer to do something. But they also, very uh, cannily, they had a couple of oak trees which had to be chopped down. And, the, and it had actually been put into, put into um, seasoning. And it had been seasoned for about eight years, mm. um, under, just under a tarp out back. And Cambridge is a huge fruit-growing area. So these oak plank, well, they then planked them. So these were absolutely infused with wild yeast. So what they did was they clad the cool ship room with them. Yeah, nice. So all of that spontaneous fermentation was able to happen really, you know, really outside in. What was the name, sorry? Uh, Elgoods. How is that spelt? E-L-G-O-O-D. Great. Apostrophe S. I've never heard of them. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate in, in a lot of ways, but actually it was, um, it was also very driven by an American um, distributor who wanted them to... Uh, he saw this as well. I'm like, right, come on, guys, you've got to be doing this. Oh, we're thinking about it. The other one is uh, Burning Sky. Oh, yeah. um, and caveat is uh, my, my really good friend, Mark Tranter. Um, he owns that brewery, and his beers are exquisite. Mm. Uh, again, he took a medal at World Beer Cup. Um, he's always had a massive obsession with Saison's and... And the Belgian style of brewing, and his he doesn't have a qualification to his name, right? But he is one of the most respected brewers in the UK. What he does is just exquisite and elegant, and his beers just have that je ne sais quoi that you can't really say why they're so fabulous at times, but they just have structure and elegance, and they're all very understated, mm. but just beautiful. So we, I had one of them recently. It was a collaboration with uh, Fork and Brewer. Oh, cool. In New Zealand. Uh, Kelly Ryan, who's a, I think, past guest on the show briefly, and a, a, we're huge fans of her. Brew Jesus. Yep, Brew Jesus. Um, 
He yeah, and you've done you've done beers with Kelly, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Your sort of other collabs around the world. Yeah, one or two. Yeah. Um, you tell, like, how does that I guess come about for you and and releasing a collab? What do you do as a as your input to the beer? Do you just oh, phone not, it in or? Oh no 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 get get, get out. Great question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. The whole the whole dialing the whole dialing it in. I knew she wouldn't phone it in. <laughs> no, the whole dialing it in for collabs is shit because actually to be honest, I mean right okay it might be a bit different for qualified brewers and people who do this on a day to day basis. They might be okay with that. I'm not because I consider brewing a collab um, is. Uh, I don't really have the phrase CPD over here, but continuous professional development. No. Um, well, so there's a there's a there's a phrase there's a phrase <laughs> in the corporate world which I'm only vaguely aware of because you know my husband has a sensible job, um, and uh, so there's a thing called CPD. So I consider it my continual professional development because I think um, I don't think that you can write and judge on the sheer level that I do without actually understanding that. And I think that also it's important that when you are judging a competition in particular, that the brewers who are entering have faith that there are people who who have a lot of understanding. I don't have a qualification to my name, um, but I spent a good three hours having a conversation with Costa, for example, this afternoon. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm particularly smart. I'm just really nosy. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I can put two and two together and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but the, both the collabs, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm really clear about, and one of the things I really like people to know is I don't earn any money off of them because mm. I consider that unethical. Because I am writing about beer, and I don't think that's okay. Because you you will inevitably end up, you know, using your power for evil, um, <laughs> uh, or certainly for a, a dirty commercialism. Anyway, um, and so that's. Although it does make me kick myself at times. It um, really does. <laughs> how did you... Let's go back to the start, because you kind of... As you said, you're nosy. This obviously helps in a, a beer-writing sense. How did you become to be writing about beer and talking about beer? Uh, so I've been pushing my way into journalism since I was 14. Okay. Um, so what were the aspirations that the 14-year-old Melissa had for journalism? Uh, I was absolutely convinced I was going to be a war correspondent. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so was I <laughs> so, when I studied journalism. Yeah. I don't know why. I, well, yeah. No, I was, I was, I, when, I was, when I was 12, I saw Kate Ad on the TV and I was totally convinced I was going to be a war correspondent. Um, and uh, it turns out that being taught by a bunch of bitter old men who, who didn't quite make it themselves kind of knocks enthusiasm out of you. <laughs> can't, can't, can't think why that happens. Who knew? Um so anyway, so I, I left university and I got a job on the pub trade paper, but I'd also fallen in love with um, great beer at university because I worked in a fabulous car-scale pub called the Old Black Bull. Um, so that one day there was this little tiny lady who was running up and down behind the bar. I'd been working there about two weeks, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There's buckets, there's pulling, there's clanking, there's... There's tasting, there's running off again, and downstairs, upstairs, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, so being a nosy cow, I stopped her. And I said, sorry, who are you and what, what's going on? And she said, oh, I'm Pam. I was like, oh, you're the mythical Pam. You are, so the guy who hired me, Stan, who's a um, he, big scouser, full mullet, Sovereign rings. Oh, sorry, a uh, guy from Liverpool. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, big sovereign rings, big go, yeah, it's just all the bling and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, 
and and uh, sort of sort of one of those guys who, who who sort of walks with his chest. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like like that sort of that sort of guy, and he, you know, real 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 minor host kind of thing. Um, and then there was this little tiny lady who clearly just didn't want to talk to anybody. So you had to ask her a question. So, oh, of course, because <laughs> you know that's my job. Um, so I stopped her, and she was. It was really quiet. It was a day shift, which is I think why I saw her because I didn't normally do day shifts. Um, so. I said, oh, I'm changing the casks. And she kind of looked around and went, ah, no buggers here. I'll show you what, what I'm doing. So she took me down to the cellar, showed me tapping, venting, all this kind of stuff. Why, why are we leaving it? What's going on? Secondary fermentation, explained all of that. Um, and really all I'd had exposure to was basically shit bass, really. Um, and yeah, yeah, it might have had the first trademark. It probably also had like one vapor molecule. Um, so um, I was went back upstairs and we pulled this beer through and she tried it and she was happy with it and she passed class to me and said, do you want to try it? Said, I'm a student, of course I want free booze. What kind of stupid question is that? Um, and I took it and literally the scales fell from my eyes. It was my total epiphany moment. Um, what was the beer, do you remember? It was, uh, yeah, it's uh, called Rooster's Cream. Um, so, Roosters was a brewery in 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 Yorkshire, um, which was very upsetting to my staunch to the staunch Lancastrian hey. strokes stroke scouser who was right in front of me, uh, teaching me how to uh, teaching me all about beer at that point. Um, but they were the first one to use, the one of the first breweries in the UK to use really aromatic American hops, and, and they're still around. Uh, yes, and funny enough, so the guy who founded it, Sean Franklin sold the brewery to um, a guy who sold out his part of a big pub chain, but he actually was really buying the brewery for his boys. So twin twin brothers, um, and it was like Ol and Tom. Um, when they heard that this beer was my epiphany beer, they'd made it a seasonal. Oh, awesome. Which is awesome. absolutely adorable, because I did a great collaboration with them called uh, High Tea, which is a jasmine green tea IPA, which I'm still very, very proud of. Um, so anyway, so back to the old Black Bull. Mm. Um, so I left the old black ball with two loves of my life, um, one of which was beer, and the other one was uh, their son, their youngest right. son. Okay, he's also known as the long-suffering Mr. Melissa. So. <laughs> Does he also like beer? Uh, well, yes. Okay. <laughs> he, he was raised in a pub. I'm yeah, guessing yeah. that he likes beer. Yeah, no, he does like beer. In fact, actually, I, I, I trust his palate a lot. Mm. Um, so I've got. So I've, with, with so much travel and with the new book coming out, and I really want to keep beers as contemporary as possible because, you know, it's not published till October, so there'll be loads of stuff that's out of date by then. Um, and so I've got him trying a couple of beers back at home because he, he genuinely has got a good palate. He knows where his blind love... After years of me just going, oh, how can you not pick that up? <laughs> he knows where his blind spots are. <laughs> he, uh, is he charging your Mostly spot? it's his choice in women. But is he charging a subcontracting fee for that? Uh, in, in fairness, given that I'm permanently in hock to him, no, it's not really, it's not really worth it. Is, again, he's got a sensible job. I'm a journalist. <laughs> um, now, I've just, I've drunk my first two paddle beers very mm. quickly. Uh, the Saison. Yep. Lovely. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, um, so Steve um, and Ben, so Stevie I know really well. Um, Stevie used to be uh, the one of the cellarmen at the White Horse in Parsons Green in in Southwest in West London, sorry, which is super iconic. Um, so if you go to a 
if you if you ask anybody about a great car scale pub in London, they will if the White Horse isn't on the list, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so Stevie used to be a cellarman there, then he got into brewing, and now he's launched this brewery. Um, and I think he's, he's doing an event on Wednesday night, I think, here. Is it Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, thank you. So it's tomorrow night here. Um, and he's just such a lovely, engaging guy. He really is. I love... You need to... If anybody's going to come to that, he's like, show us, show, us, show us your tattoo. He's got a tattoo of the mumbles. He's a very proud Welshman. He's got a, a tattoo of the mumbles. Um, so... So show us, show us your tattoo. What are the mumbles? Uh, the mumbles... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a waterway. Oh, um, right. So yeah, I thought it was so, like the Wombles. I know like knockoff or something. Well, I basically, like, oh, I, I, I live very close to Wimbledon, so if anybody's okay. wombling free, it's me. Right. Um, so um, so yeah, which is pretty much my life, actually, in fairness. Um, so um, yeah, so Steve's really really great. This is uh, this is a th- I think a three point eighter. Um, it's so so drinkable. Mm. So mm. so drinkable. So yeah, I'm I'm big. I'm a massive fan. I think it's Breeze, isn't it? Oh no, it's March. No. Oh no, they've got March on. So it's based on the same as Breeze, but they've just got a different hot profile. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like what they're doing, particularly their sessionable saisons. I think session beers are defo the way forward. I think saisons. Um, it's interesting chatting to Jane from Two Birds, and she was saying that they make a gorgeous saison. All the mm. beers are lovely, um, but they can't sell it. She said, "How do you? How do I make people buy saison?" And, and I think their market. The word saison probably doesn't work for that brand, and it kind of for I, her sort of angle of that was I might not brew it again because it doesn't actually sell as a seasonal. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think that the way that we communicate beer as you know writers and, and podcasters, like, are we communicating enough with the word saison? You know, because it's such a, a lovely style for. A, I yeah I un, I I completely understand that. I mean, it's I started a lot of the evening by by taking a lot of the jargon out and that's what I do um, so Saison is a seasonal beer it was originally made for farm workers as part payment mm. um, so they would move around and they would they would be paid partly in beer partly in room and board uh, in food very unlikely with any any form of money mm. um, so yeah I think I think the problem is uh, and it's not criticism of anything that, that, that we're saying here this evening but the fact that we start talking about cool ships and saisons and things, we really need to be really back to basics. We need to, even if people are tuning into a podcast, we actually need to, and it's a beer podcast, we need to realise that actually finding really quick shorthands for things is really important because we're in danger of alienating people who are listening to it because they think they're going to learn about beer. Mm. And if they go away more confused than when they started, we failed as our jobs as uh, we failed at our jobs as communicators, and that's an issue. Um, I find it very frustrating when I go and see brewers giving a giving giving talking to us like, oh, it's hoppy, malty, and bitter. It's like no shit, Sherlock. It's <laughs> fucking beer. Um, that, that's that's in, also the the wine writers' reviews of any beer. In, oh, in, don't. Uh, hoppy Malter and Villa. Don't. Am I allowed to throw <laughs> things across the room when I talk about... I've, I've got a handful... I've got literally five wine writers who I know that will do beer writing justice, and the rest of them can, can do one. Any wine writers in the room? I always enjoy hearing uh, them tell me about the EBC of the beer. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> really? Um, it's like, oh, my IBU, really? What's the residual in that? Oh... Uh, um, so you mentioned you're working on your, is it your second book? Third book? Third. 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 Yep. Uh, 
can you give us a bit of a sneak preview on what it is? Uh, yeah, so it's um, called The Beer Kitchen, The Art and Science of Cooking and Pairing with Beer. And what? A, well, obviously that's pretty self-explanatory. It's going to be food and beer. But it's cooking with beer as well. Okay. I, I found it very frustrating to... Um, well, actually, the journey was the... I was looking about, I don't know, about 12 years ago maybe? I was looking at a recipe for a steak and ale pie, and you know when you look at one of these pictures in a book and it's like or in a magazine, it's like, oh, this beautiful, crusty, beautiful, puffed-up, golden brown pastry, and there's this gorgeous sort of brown meat tumbling out, and there might be some mushrooms or some kidney or whatever as well, and it's like all the gravy's there, and it's beautiful, and you're thinking, this looks amazing. And so it's like steak and ale pie, and then literally the recipe called for beer. Mm. That was whatever it. you want. <laughs> that was it. Oh, are you fucking shitting me? Yeah, that yeah. is it. And then I started turning the pages of the mag, and and there was loads of wine wine based recipes as well. And like, oh, full bodied red or a Bordeaux or a Rioja or a Pinot Grigio or a Chardonnay. I think what you're missing there is that if you want to cook the beer recipes, he's going to buy one beer, and you can use it for all of them. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I understand the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm going to have no market for my new book, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Just killed off the idea. Yeah, can, can, can you all buy a copy? So I am going to admit here, and this is... Yeah, fuck it, let's just do it. Um, I don't like using beer and food. I've never... I think there's one recipe that my, my lovely girlfriend Emma makes, which is a, a beer and meat pie. Hi, Emma, by the way. You're right there somewhere. Um... <laughs> With the, Hello, lovely Emma. Wherever you are, I can't really see. And she uses gold, like a local golden ale or a, yep. a pale ale. It comes across beautifully. Yeah. Other than that, in what? sorry. In what? In the pie. Oh, in a pie. Yeah. What sort of pie? Uh, meat, mints. I think. Emma, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. How many questions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Why are you putting me on the spot? Fuck off. Um, so, and, but like, other than that, I find either the beer gets lost or the bitterness mm-hmm. comes out too much. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, what should I? What? Oh, and Biramisu. Biramisu rocks. Yeah. But like, so what am I, what am I going to learn or what am I going to, like, how are you going to sell me on it? Um, so it's really about where, where you're going with, with, with various different things. So basically, it, almost inevitably, don't use bitter style beers. Um, because if you're going to use them for anything more than 10 minutes or at high temperatures, don't do that. Don't do that because all you're doing is concentrating that bitterness and it's going to be rank. Mm. Um if you want to use things like IPAs, I suggest you use them in salad dressings. Um, excuse me, things like that. That that is where that is where they shine. Mm. You get all of that citrus character. It's quite fun to have some of that carbonation in there. That really works. So, how do you make a salad dressing out of IPA? You just mix it with vinegar and yeah. well, oil. Oil. Yeah. All right. A tiny bit. Actually, I normally use um, citrus yeah, as opposed cool. to as opposed to vinegar. Yeah. Um, so, and I'll actually generally put a little bit of the peel in there as well cool so actually in in the last book a little book of craft beer there is a recipe for that salad dressing so awesome where we go i have to buy that book now <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm i'm looking at you <laughs> i have seen the book i've held it i, just, I didn't buy I've, it <laughs> i've seen but apparently i haven't ponied up for it all right then luke thank you um also a freelance writer. Yeah, true, <laughs> the, true. the money on books. We, we, should, we, should get, we should get you a publicity copy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about your previous books? What, the, what were they? So that was uh, Let Me Tell You About Beer, 
which is a book I'm incredibly proud of. It was... Um, um, I didn't have a particularly good relationship with the publishers, um, but the book itself was a book I wanted to write. Mm. Um, I found every other... Again, going back to the conversation we were having earlier, I found every other book out there, it was, it was jargon-laden, it was... It was just impenetrable um, or oversimplified. And I wanted to try and find some middle ground. Um, for better or worse, everybody who knows me um, says uh, when they read my books, they can hear my voice. So I apologise in advance for any of you who buy my books after this. Because um, I, 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 I want that friendly style. I think that, you know, beer is the ultimate social, social lubricant. It should be friendly. It should be um, the gateway to amazing conversations. It should be the first and last thing that you that you say to somebody, do you want a beer? Do you want to go for a pint? Um, it should be something that you bond over memories. It should be something that you, you say, oh, do you remember that day when we went out for a beer? It, it, it doesn't have to be the centre. It's just the social lubricant to it all. Um, it's also something I really like people to say like, stop and smell the beer if you're having an amazing time if you are having an, a truly amazing evening stop and smell your beer because it might not be exactly the same beer but the next time you pick up a beer that has a similar smell you will get that same rush of emotion back um, because the sense of smell is your strongest memory driver and I was really gifted um a beautiful memory a while back um, I opened up this little sandalwood box which I've kept like really precious things it's a rosary from my grandmother some letters from a parish priest um, some stuff that my granddad gave me and some like silly things like tickets to, to, to sports things that I'd gone to with my dad and I opened it up and I suddenly so viscerally um and it sounds melodramatic, but it really was. It was absolutely boof. And I was absolutely, suddenly, this memory came flooding back of sitting on my granddad's lap in a pub, um, in a rural pub in Surrey, in Engfield Green's tiny little village where, where my dad grew up and my grandparents lived. And I just remember my grandfather lifting his pint to my lips I remember smelling the cigarette smoke on his fingers. I remember the nuttiness of the beer. I remember the old spice that he always wore, the brill cream in his hair. And then it, 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 it literally snowballed from there, remembering that he used to bring me uh, blackcurrant jam on toast and cornflakes and tea in bed. And then I'd come down and find him shaving very carefully in the kitchen sink with his braces flapping around his flapping around his knees and I worshipped the guy and it, it was it was you know it was, it was a really phenomenal thing and and I really think that that actually we we don't sometimes use our senses the way that we could do I'm not saying should because frankly we're all busy and life's fucking mental um and but sometimes I just really want people when they're having that that kind of great moment I want them to have that moment that I had then and it really was a, a genuine... I, I, I sat down and wrote a massive blog post about it and, and it, later we, I turned it into articles for some magazines. 
Um, but I sent it. I sent a link to my dad. Um, it was his father, and I got a phone call from my mum, and I said, and she said, "What have you done?" And I was like, "What?" And I said, she said, "Your dad cannot stop crying. Your dad literally cannot stop crying." She said, but it's in a really good way. And he can't, he can't articulate because he can't breathe. <laughs> so, Sorry, Mum, have I broken Dad? Sorry. And, it's, it's, I mean, and I know it sounds silly. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes crying isn't a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a cathartic thing. Um, and it's really, to be able to go do that whole thing, I think is a really important thing. And, and some, you know, unfortunately, we lose people along the way. And, and sometimes friends are here today and gone tomorrow. Um, so solidifying things in your brain, I think, is not not a bad thing. It's only Monday, so there's your homework, everybody. <laughs> well, I, I imagine you've all probably got a beer in front of you, so have a smell um, and, and enjoy that moment. I think it's yeah. Sorry, a, that was that was a, a bit good deep. Reminder, no. My apologies. Um, I remember seeing something a while ago based on memory, and yeah. the more um, the more pattern or the more sort of touch points you have for a memory, yeah. so smell, sight, yeah. um, you know, all of those things, the more that you can access that memory, the more you'll remember it. So it is that kind of, as you said, you're having a good time, take that moment to, to yeah. soak everything in to, to build that memory. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, I think it's a, ni- it's a nice thing to do. And, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to do, so stop and smell your beer. <laughs> um, do you think pubs are important? Pubs are very important. Pubs are social hubs. They give people... Um, who sometimes aren't always um, aren't always able to socialise otherwise, or lost family, or um, it's things getting together. I mean, we, we we do so much around pubs. It's great, and I love brewery taps as well. I think that I think brewery taps um, are a, a natural evolution of the pub, um, and I think it's important to remember that they are social hubs. People are concerned, uh, it comes up occasionally here, about brewery tap rooms killing the pub. Bollocks. Okay, good. What are your thoughts on that other than bollocks? <laughs> oh, damn it, do I have to extrapolate? <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um, yeah. yeah, no, well, I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what the system is out here, but we, we, have, a, we have a problematic system in the UK where we have um, effectively property companies who have bought up vast swathes of pubs, um, and they couldn't give a fuck about them. They couldn't give a fuck about the communities that they serve. They couldn't care less about them. Um, so that's an issue. Um, I think the, the major problem with a lot of pubs closing is that it's because they refuse to acknowledge the change. Um, so outside of the commercial pressures, um, it's because we are, we've got a dwindling um, alcohol consumption, uh, which is both good and bad. Um, and we have much more of a, a, a diverse culture which we need to embrace and there is a problem with a, with probably I'd say about 10% of pubs um, who just can't figure their, they can't navigate that mm. so I mean they, they were bad enough with the smoking ban I mean certainly in the UK I'm sure you probably got the same thing over here and so you can still walk in some pubs which still stink of stale, stale cigarettes smoke you can smell the customers' farts and the urinal cakes. Mm. It's like, mm, <laughs> yeah, I'm good with not drinking in here, thanks. And you turn around and you walk straight back out again. Um, so it's about commercial realities without being utterly commercial. 
It's also, I just don't, I mean, outside of, again, the, the, the swathe of pubs who, who have no real control over what they can buy, um, why aren't you doing stuff like this? You know, why, why aren't you embracing, particularly in, in, from what I've experienced in Melbourne, you know, live music's a huge thing. Mm. Um, there's great, there's sort of that inside-outside thing. You've got engaging staff. You've got you've got loads of fabulous, really dive bar-y feels. And live podcast. Yeah, well. good, good podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah good, 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 good podcast. <laughs> random, random mad women from the UK. <laughs> um, and you know, so I, I think there's yeah, there's I mean, there's a whole commerciality which actually I think is a bit bit boring, but um, but yeah, I, I just think to be honest, evolve or die. It's pretty simple. It's Darwinism in action. Hmm. Um, Nice places to drink, and we were chatting last night at Two Birds, and that was such a welcoming and unusual scenario where it was a, the Fempocalypse event. Um, mm. So it was very, like, obviously pitched at Mother's Day crowd. Um, there's nail painting, there was shoes for sale. Uh, I got some photos of Jane and Danielle, the founders, shopping for earrings six feet away from their own tanks. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't know, I guess all of those sort of welcoming things for people that might not necessarily be in beer were kind of present, you know, no matter who you are, you're going to have a nice time yep. shopping for earrings or getting your nails done. A lot of dudes were doing it, a lot of ladies were doing it, everyone was happy. Um, do you think we need more of that, I guess, just things that, that are nice and that people want to come to rather than just making a pub and then saying... Well, look, craft beer is ex- expensive. So it's more expensive than your bog-standard commercial brands. So if you don't create a theatre around it, you don't create some sort of um, experience around it, then you're going to struggle to get people to put their hands in their pockets because they're going to say, well, hang on a minute, that's a $6 pint or whatever. Well, I can go and get a bottle of wine for You need that. to adjust for Australian prices. Yeah. $6 pint is very cheap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an $18 pot today of a 6% beer on tap somewhere. Holy fuck, um, does that come with a happy ending? <laughs> I didn't ask. I didn't. I didn't even go in. No. I'll, I'll ask just for you. <laughs> Frankly, I would have demanded one. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway. So yeah. What, what, whatever. Whatever. I'm. I'm terribly sorry. It's just so. It's one of those moments where you actually do have to check your privilege. I rarely pay for beer, so I don't know. I mean, be, but beer, as you're right, like you know when people ask expensive. politicians about what the price of milk is. Slightly asking me what point of beer is. The craft beer is expensive, like, and I think that's, yeah. that's the big hurdle is knowing, you know, if I walk into that place and see an $18 pot of beer, I'm like, oh, I'm out of my depth. I don't, I can't afford to be here. I need to go somewhere else. Yes, and that's. It was cheaper to, to get a Negroni. I'm like, I'm probably just going to get a Negroni in that situation. <laughs> Um, so do you think that's a hurdle like getting I guess growing the industry is making I, that yeah I mean I, I also think beer has been underpriced massively it's been under well it's been undervalued um, and a lot of that is down to the commerciality of things and it's, it's about um, you know big beer can do those do those um, margin pushing things and I don't you know I don't give a shit if you want a Bud Light or a whatever enjoy what you enjoy but also understand at the same time that what you're doing is you are you are willfully saying that that beer isn't worth anything Mm. um and i think that that is what depresses me particularly about cast beer in the uk that's been so woefully underpriced 
and with with what camera does it basically says well beer isn't worth it because we'll give you Weatherspoons vouchers oh, sorry we'll give you cheap vouchers for cheap beer um, and and it, it and it, it just really it suppresses the market it suppresses the market value and the problem is uh, particularly when you go to so I have constant battles with restaurant clients so it's stop looking at your spreadsheet that says we need 70% gross profit on this beer so look at your pile of pennies at the end of the week because they're used to everybody understanding that wine costs money but actually in reality and, and so I'm, I'm going to do the whole you know if I can see people again um, in reality does anybody reckon that they could really genuinely tell you what the cost price of a wine bottle is in a restaurant yeah you, you might do you work in the industry there we go <laughs> So, so, so somebody who works in the industry can tell you, but nobody else has nobody else has put their hand up. That's the major problem: is that everybody knows what the cost of beer is, but not the value. Whereas they value wine, but they don't know what the cost is, and that's the big barrier that we've got. We've got to. So, for so, lager's been so commoditized, but. Lager is actually the most difficult and complicated style of beer to make that you drink every single day if it's made well. In reality, nothing that you buy in in with a commodity brand name on it deserves to actually be called lager because the word lager comes from German word lagerum, which means to store. And, well, if you... Basically, I stored my passport in the UK for 24 hours the other day. That's pretty much about about as much storage as it gets. Um, so it, it's really it's frustrating to those of us in the industry and those of us who know about beer. Um, but it's also beholden on us not not to go down that wine snobbery route um, because beer is and should be the most egalitarian of all alcoholic drinks. It should be from everybody from from peasant to nobility. Wow, that was the most English thing I've probably ever <laughs> said in my life. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I mean, you, you know, you go and you go and stand, you go and stand in a stand in a bar, and I've 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 literally done this. I've literally stood next to um, Lord Burnham in a bar. Oh, thank you very much. You've just been given beers. What beers have we just been given? Oh, cool. Four nice. Nipa. Any IP, any IPA, any IPA, any yeah, IPA. Yeah, yeah, that was that was going to be my next question. Are we running with Nipah? Because uh, everyone else was saying it, and I felt uncomfortable the first time I said it. And now enough people just say it, I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm just yeah, so I'm, I'm actually having to do this because I'm having to hold a line with my husband about it because he loves calling it Nipah just to wind me up. Okay. So <laughs> we are calling it any IPA. Okay. There's actually been like sub... So since I've been away, he's been out with a bunch of mutual mates, and there's, I know there's been like sub... Facebook, social media things. It's like I'm out with Ben drinking Nipah. It's like <laughs> fuck you, assholes. <laughs> so, well, I think it's the economy of syllables, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're Aussies. You do this all the time. Sure. We're British. Not okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to go into an accent debate. I'm just going to call the, the New Zealander on the panel. Just backs away as you guys start talking <laughs> accents. <laughs> um, we were at uh, Ixent. <laughs> Come on! 
<laughs> it, went, it went downhill quick. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> um, so, we're, what about free the, the two birds free the nipple? The nipple last night? Free the, that, that made me how I've got the t shirt. Yeah, and nice, it's nice. just <laughs> the right side. It's just the right side. There's a, I mean, I. Well, uh, the, so obviously the, the sexism labels is a hot issue, and it's one you're on board with. And you're, <laughs> in terms of like, you're not pro sexism, you're, you're, you know what I mean? <laughs> not, where are we going with this? <laughs> um, I think there would be a lot of people looking at the Free the Nipple from uh, Two Birds, which has a naked pair of breasts on it, covered up by the words. What's different about that to uh, a regular label that might have, you know, a, a pin-up girl on it? Well, to be honest, actually, it's the first time you've actually even noticed that it's actually a pair of breasts. I totally didn't catch that at all. Really? Um, no, I don't... Yeah, no, no, totally missed that. Totally missed that. I was too busy laughing at Free the Neeple. Well, because it's not blatant, it's not open, and also, actually, when I was discussing it with Jane, it is also partially a statement about about breastfeeding in public as well. Um, so there is a there is a movement called free the nipple, um, where you know trying to move away from from women's breasts just being an object of, of the male gaze as opposed to actually you know functional and just really fucking expensive annoying bags that you have to put in your bra. Um, oh seriously, seriously, I don't, it's, it's like literally it's a female tax. Do you have any idea how expensive decent bras are? It's a fucking nightmare. I have zero so, idea. Yeah, <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah, so all, all the expensive scaffolding, yeah, as I yeah, like to call mine. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah listen, I, I know I know enough blokes who just basically wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'll just turn those inside out. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, those guys sound weird. Yeah, not, not me. <laughs> I think even just um, when you look at that particular label. It doesn't take long to realise what the context of it is. And I think that's what the difference is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The beer was really nice too, by the way. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> very good. Um, but also, someone I mean, that doesn't like hazy IPAs, you'd like a lot of hazy beers, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't particularly, it was, it, was, it was marginally cloudy, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know, just two a bit birds. overcast, is that what you say? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Two birds don't do over-the-top beers. They make things considered and that's that. Yeah, that Jane's an version. excellent, excellent brewer and Wilson's an excellent brewer and I think there's a lot to be said for those guys. I feel like I've gone on a real journey with those guys because um, I first met Jane uh, judging in the US and um, she was gypsy brewing and then I think it was... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, and she was, she'd either just signed the contract or was just about to sign the contract uh, another judging and then I saw her and it's like the brewery was open and it's so and she's so lovely and it was so nice to meet Danielle as well for the first yeah. time she's fantastic as well so the the other bird um, that's her, literally her Instagram name yeah. isn't it the other yeah. bird yeah. oh is it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that um, and and just seeing you know the dynamic between two of them and, and how it's all working and that lovely brewery in Taproom and how connected it is connected it is to the brewery and I remember having this big conversation with Jane about how frustrating I find the uh, lack of geography in the UK because we, 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 we it's really difficult to find those big spaces mm. um, and we, we have that kind of lack of geography to be able to expand into things and be able to have those big, you know, let's face it, US style tap rooms and they are 
one of my favourite things, being able to see the tanks and the vessels and, 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 you know, maybe somebody brewing as well. I love seeing that and then being able to drink the beer at the same time. It's, so what's the it's avenue a, for expansion then? If it's not geographically, how do they grow? Uh, what, in the UK? In the UK, yeah. Um, well, they move outside of metropolises, right. basically, or, or cities, really. Um, and that then can sort of... Do, you can do a production brewery, which is, you know, there's certain breweries who have totally got the... Totally got the capabilities to do that, but again, it's like running that that parallel thing. We're really hamstrung by taxes in the UK that they 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 properly properly shaft us. That's a hot button hot issue. Button yeah. issue have you, yeah, have you heard the tax debate here at the moment? Uh, yeah, I understand you guys are looking for a for a, a bit of a sliding duty scale, like yeah. So I mean, I think the the latest budget there has been some big tax changes. I won't go into it now because. I don't understand tax at all. Um, That's a good reason to not yeah. go into it, yeah. Re- read an article on Bruce News, those guys understand it. Um, but, like, that's kind of seen as, as holding the industry back in Australia is it's hard to... Yeah. You know, you, these brewers are not making any money and then, it's, as we said, it's expensive to buy. And, and So is that the same thing happening in the UK, do you think? Yeah, well, we had, we had a, a, a taxational change uh, about uh, 10 years ago, I think it was, and that's what's actually led to the explosion of, of microbreweries. And, 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 yeah, I'm going to call them microbreweries because the craft thing's bollocks. Um, oh, are we going back to microbreweries? I'm on board. Yeah, I'm on board. Done, yeah. Um, <laughs> microbreweries or, you know, it's, it's like if you're not macro, you're micro. Um, and... Um, it really that was literally the gateway to we've got more breweries per capita than anywhere else in the world right now and we have just the most amazing vibrant brewing scene it's phenomenal um so but but it's but the actual level of it is now incredibly um prohibitive um so that needs to be raised um, but if you're if you're not already there or you've just only just got there if you've got to the point where you've got a sliding scale of duty uh, then you're in a really good place. You're just about to see him. It's going to go off. Yeah. It's going to go off because the entry level has to be financially rewarding. If you can't earn money off of like a five heck system, then you're pretty fucked. Mm. In a very technical way. Mm. <laughs> um, going back to London, what what are you most? Oh, I'm tr- I'm, I'm, am I being deported? Yeah, yeah. Get out of here now. Going back to London. We're doing please. it publicly. That's how we do things in Australia. It, it wouldn't be the first time. Anyway, yes. Um, what are you most excited about that's happening in the, the London or the, the wider UK beer scene? Oh, oh blimey, that's... I think it's the amount of um, sort of farmhouse breweries that, that are popping up. Um that as a, as a going full square back to where we started, uh, for me that that sense of place, that sense of terroir, that sense of um, of being, and giving that local DNA, I think is the is a really, I think that's going to be the way that we really grab people who are outside the beer industry, and we've got that- we've got a number of people who are doing that. Does that mean always wild yeast, or can that be the sense of the building? Or I, I think I think it does need to be wild yeast, but it doesn't. Everybody thinks immediately, oh, it's Brett. Um, well, actually, you can have wild Saccharomyces as well. So, I think I think that that sense of that immediate terroir is 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 very important. But that said, 
one of the other things that's hugely exciting me in the in the UK is people starting to brew really exciting clean lagers. It's happening here hey, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I love my hops. I love my sours. I love my my dark beers. I love them all, but. When I finish the day's judging, I either want a really damn good lager or I want a margarita. There is no input. <laughs> mostly, I, okay, I'm not going to lie. Mostly, I want a margarita, and then I'll have a really clean lager. Um, but I want, I want that uh, that shift, and, and it's it's also again going back to what I was saying earlier. It's actually it's teaching people what a damn good lager is, and I don't mean that in a patronising fashion. I mean that, and I think we should bloody well reclaim it. Mm. Is that, and we've talked about on the show before, the um, the anxiety people have around lager in the sense that if a brewer makes a lager, they have to make a point that they've made a lager. It's not just another lager. Oh, no, we've put some other hops in it. No one's ever proud. Or up until recently, people weren't proud to make a lager. Now it seems brewers are, yeah, we've made a really good lager. We're going to give it a good name, good artwork, rather than... Yeah. Okay. So I, I was having the uh, Moondog Tropical Lager the other evening. Hmm. That's freaking awesome. I don't think I've had that. Have you had that? No, Dave? no, neither have I. Oh. I didn't even know they had one. I, I, it's super smashable. Um, yeah. It, oh, sorry. It's beer can. It sure. might oh, be. it's beer can? Oh, beer can, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Everyone's had lots yeah. of beer can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I, I, I had quite a lot of beer can. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a ripper. Oh, it's they, they might have yeah. been a slightly pinball-y walk home. Um, anyway. Uh, All class. What other what other beers have you had in Australia? And I, I hate asking this question, but it's I'm always curious about it. I know you hate it, but it is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what have you had? Or so, seen well, actually, that we, we get a lot of stone and wood over in the UK. Yeah. Um, so uh, we can't talk about stone and wood. We spent the last show spending an hour gushing about them. So, yeah. okay. No more love for stone and wood as much as we love them. Okay, I'm just going to get this in now. I really love the UK rep, Pat. He's awesome. So, um, but also yeah, of course I like he is. He works like every single employee of theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also Keelan I was just judging with, who I've known from the UK. I freaking love him. So um, we ended up with the literally the smuttiest judge table conversations <laughs> ever. You say absolutely that so proudly. Brilliantly. We had the smuttiest conversations. Oh, it's actually very good. So, right, right, the AIBA is pretty attritional. It's a long day and... We're all experienced beer judges, but even we're, we're, we're blowing a bit about mid-afternoon. And it was really funny. So it started off with Byron Bay's populated by anti-vaxxers. Um, Listen to the Hypothetical Institute for <laughs> my other podcast for more conversation about that one. Yeah. So, so gigantic eye roll. And then I mentioned that I follow this awesome woman on Twitter called Dr. Jen Gunter, who de- de- debunks all of Gwyneth Paltrow's bullshit and goop bullshit. <laughs> Um, or you know, J Doug up your foof bullshit, um, and so I said this, and and then 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 another brewer, coincidentally, who was on the on the table from Stone and Wood as well, said, "Oh, you do know that the latest thing is putting cucumbers," and so I'm pretty sure that has nothing to do with vaginal health. <laughs> Maybe vaginal smiles, but not vaginal health. <laughs> So, so this 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 then this then proceeds, and I'm sorry, this is absolutely descend for a moment. Um, so so then this proceeds to me saying one of the funniest conversations I've ever had in the beer industry, and actually this happened three times now. Um, there's a there's a point where you kind of hit this kind of weird, like. I can't figure out whether it's cool auntie matriarchal kind of thing is because I'm in, I'm 42 now and, and and I've got there's loads of really young brewers and 
And, and, and I've, I've come to recognise the dance, well, almost. I can't figure out whether they need to go to the loo or whether they're actually desperate to ask me a question. They they they, there's this kind of weird kind of... <laughs> so I can't figure out whether they need to go for a pee or whether they, whether they want to ask me a question. Um, and it's happened three times now, and I'm sorry, this is really quite, you know, on the, on the scale. So, um, so there's been three young guys who have just... And it is in one breath every time... And they'll take this big, deep breath, and they'll say, Melissa, why is it when I'm going down on a woman, they kind of taste like, slightly like a balloon of ice? I really don't get it. Can you tell me what it is? <laughs> Do you say at least three occasions? Three, three times. Three times. Okay. And so I, um, I, I've now come to the conclusion I'm literally, I'm like, like weird, cool auntie to the entire brewing industry in so, the UK. So hang on. Would, would so, you... Would you say you're the authority on apparently I'm advice vaginal health? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So, yeah, so wow. I'm going to so, so, so just so just to let you know, and the, and the horrifying thing, well, not the horrifying thing, the, the hilarious thing is, is actually I can answer the question. Is uh, obviously you know a, a healthy vagina has lactobacillus going on, and also the average pH of a healthy vagina also is about the same pH as a balloon advice. There you go. So there you go. So I, I deliver this with a totally straight face to these kids, and I'm just like, so I'm just going to go for a lure, I'm just going to go for a fail. I'm just going to go outside, wet myself laughing, and then walk back in and just like, yeah, no, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Uh, like you 24 can, year old. You can dude, check off uh, the vaginal, aren't you? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can take, the other you note, can take done. Have you finished all your questions? <laughs> done <with> questions. <laughs> I reckon that's probably the perfect point to wrap up. So you're not DJ Khaled in disguise in the front. <laughs> I was going to make a Khaled joke. I was like, oh, right, yeah. Where, if people want more information about previous topics, uh, do they find you? Do they find you on the internet? How do they find your books? Tell us where you exist. Um, so, uh, uh, <laughs> mostly in the air, in an aeroplane, I think, is, is, is a general. Um, so, on Twitter, I'm at Melissa Cole. Everything else, Facebook, and you know, I, I don't do the Snapchat. That's for young people. Um, oh, we've all, all moved off Snapchat now. So, uh, Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Melissa Cole Beer. Um, so, you can find me find me there looking, as my father says, terrifying. You should have chosen a softer photo. Um, the photo of you with the, the glass? Yeah. Is that one? Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. No, it's, oh, you look hard, Melissa. You look hard. Is it's that because like, of the danger eyebrow? Is the that danger of that? eyebrow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, my, my editor for my, my editor at my publishing firm, she's like, do the eyebrow, do the eyebrow, do the eyebrow. Like, can't do it on demand, dude. Can't so, can, can you do it now? No. There we Where's go. Where's the photographer? There we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at MelbDave, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, send me an email. David Alavertime. Dave needs emails. Please. Someone send Dave Please. an email. Oh, <laughs> Just one. Just see if someone does oh, it. Oh, Dave. Uh, oh, mate. If I'll send you an email. If anybody wants to subscribe, uh, a lot of fun things coming up if you want to subscribe to Patreon. Um, mm. uh, you can get me at Ale of a Time and the podcast and everything else at aleofatime.com. Thank you so much to Catfish for inviting us along to do this. Um, and Melissa, Thanks thank you so Melissa much for, well. for yeah. sharing. All right, so pleasure. Thank you, guys.